You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire basketball podcast edition. MW Wire, that's our website, mwwire.com, I should say. MWC Wire, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Jeremy Moss here, Eli Betker. Good evening. Good evening, Jeremy. It's been a good weekend of basketball. What do you think? Uh, I would say it's some solid games, right? I think so. We've done a, the league's yeah, doing a sure. good job. Yeah, they're holding Go Lobos, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, but a few things we're going to discuss tonight, obviously. Last week's game, or the, I guess the past week's games, Air Force get, getting their game rescheduled with Fresno. Got some bracket talk, some tourney bracket, Mountain West tourney bracket talk. Uh, what else we got? Um, I know we discussed five seconds ago what we're going to do. Am I missing something? San Diego State falling all, all the way down to eighth in the league. That's crazy. That's what it is. So, go Aztecs? Question mark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a questionable uh, few weeks. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the big game last week, which let me ask you this really quick, Nevada-Wyoming game. First off, was it an upset that Nevada lost that game? Uh, I guess it'll go down in the record book as a technical upset, but, I mean, Laramie is just such a difficult place to play, and Wyoming has now knocked off each of the top three preseason Mountain West teams. So, I mean, we already we already mentioned in prior podcasts just how difficult it is to win at the Arena Auditorium, and Nevada was unable to pull out in double OT. How, let me ask you this. Before we get to that game, how did they lose to uh, Colorado State at home? I don't know. It, it, that's a how weird that loss, happen? isn't it? And then uh, Wyoming followed it up yesterday uh, on Saturday with an overtime victory over San Jose State, so they nearly lost to a Spartans team that has just three victories on the year. They did really one thing too. Did you see what Jeff Grammer tweeted out about the uh, road record winning percentage in the conference? I I don't I don't remember the numbers, but I did see that, and honestly, it doesn't surprise me so far. It was what surprised me is lower than what it has been in the past. Here's exactly what it is. Here I'm pulling up right now. Nope, he tweets way too much. Jeff, slow down. On your oh, I, I see it. Basically, thirtieth uh, of thirty-two conference. I got it right here. He goes. Yeah. So the whole one. Yeah, the whole winning on the road thing isn't exactly true this year. Home winning percentage is just 55.1%. 30th a 32nd. That's crazy. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be the road it'd be a, like like you mentioned there, they've been top ten in the ten of the past fifteen years, top five and six of those a number one or two four times. Hmm. Is it it could this be because I here's my theory, San Jose State and Air Force are so bad. That teams are getting wins at their home court instead. Well, I mean, I think it extends beyond just Air Force San Jose State because we have seen a number of road wins in, in the middle pack. So I don't, I don't really know what it is. I maybe teams are just more acclimated and have more experience winning on the road. But uh, it's definitely an interesting trend because Mountain West is notorious for being one of the more challenging conferences to get road wins, but it just hasn't really been the case through forty-nine conference games so far. 
one thing too, the games have been close. Like maybe the win percentage is lower, but like you mentioned, Nevada squeaking past San Jose State in overtime. We've seen a couple overtime road teams getting the win. So it's not like it's easy by any stretch. It's just been they've been getting the victories, the away team, I should say. It seems like there has been a decent number of overtime games this year too. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like there have been a lot of overtime games. We had the two with Fresno, who was at Utah State, and uh, who was the other in Colorado State. Wyoming's already played, uh, looks like, seven overtime periods this year. Ooh, seven. Yeah. We had uh, UNLV playing, what, Air Force and UN, was Northern Iowa overtime game? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was another one, too. There's been quite a few. So, hey, no Nevada, Texas well. Tech. When we go to Vegas, it's going to be nuts. Oof, overtime, the bedanza, right? Oh, can you imagine overtime in the final for a tournament bid? That would be just tough. Hey, as I recall... I worked last year. You, Utah Valley in the WAC four overtime game. Oh, I just felt sorry it, for you for that game. In the semifinals, me we're pushing the buttons. I'm like, get, get done. Somebody win. I don't care if it's UVU or Bakersfield. Just win. And it was Bakersfield. I, I remember. Not you surprisingly, they lost about that one. the next day. <laughs> yeah. Not too happy. But let's get back to Nevada Wyoming. Two hundred and seven points. Wyoming gets a victory. Some Nevada fans were not too happy with the officiating, but what I say, get over it. Come on, it happens. I don't think that was yeah, the um, end-all, be-all for the reason whoever won or lost that matchup. It does It does happen. I think that the no-call at the end of regulation was pretty brutal um, yeah. on the Martin three-point attempt. But I, it it just happens throughout the course of the game. So I think most Nevada fans acknowledge the fact that Nevada had multiple chances to win this game or close out this game and was unable to come through. So you can never... At least my philosophy is you can never blame a win or a loss on a single call. So it's it's unfortunate for the Wolfpack, but Wyoming pick up uh, picks up another quality home victory. So that was an awesome game, though. Double overtime in Laramie and a, a 9 p.m. tip-off. So that was a great game. Also, you know what's great? Those Nevada uniforms. Whew, that popped. Yeah, yeah. Because I started sure. the game, uh, I got home late. I'm like, oh, I better tune in. I'm like, am I on the right channel for a minute? Because... Normally you don't see that bright pink. You'll see variations of color, but I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, oh, that is Nevada. <laughs> Playing that color. That was nice. <laughs> but also, about the end game situations, I know it's not fair and probably shouldn't happen, but unless it's, like, super obvious, you're not going to get a call, which is kind of dumb because you should call the same in minute 50 that you do in minute four. But it – I don't know. It's I can't – I'm not going to blame the one call like you said, but the rest it's, – it's the same argument you get all the time. Well, why why is it different if you call on minute one or minute forty? It should be all be the same. Yeah, that that is true, but it does seem that the refs tend to swallow their whistles at the end of games because you know if they call a foul with three or four or five seconds left, it's they're they're going to get hounded by the the home crowd. So uh, that's that's just what happens. Nevada had their opportunities to win in the first overtime and the second overtime period, but uh, wasn't meant to be. Here's what you do: make your free throws. You know what I mean? Mm, they yeah. did pretty well. They're, they did well. There are a lot of free throws in the game. You only missed eight, like shooting 79% solid. But, and like, Martin, what, what was it? Was it Cody or Caleb Martin there? Cody went 10 of 11, uh, 4 of 7 for Caleb, Caroline. They're shooting very well, but it's like one or two free throws. If you shoot 80, if they had shot 81%, they would have won, which is what Wyoming shot. So, well, yeah, and, and here's the thing. They started off the game 23 of 23 at the line, and then uh, – oh. Uh, at the end of regulation and into the overtime periods, they were seven of fifteen. So they had eight free go. throws in that stretch run, uh, winning time for Nevada. They came up short at the line. So the the Wolfpack players, I, I saw a bit post game. They didn't uh, they didn't blame their missed free throws on fatigue, but you have to wonder. It, 
the Wolfpack, I mean, they made the first 23 free throws and then somewhat, I mean, just couldn't come up in the clutch when it mattered most. So maybe it's something a little bit about elevation. You have a number of guys that played, I mean, you had three guys that played 40 minutes uh, in Laramie in double overtime games. So um, you have to wonder a little bit about fatigue, whether that's set in. Well, it did, but then also this brings up the point we kind of sort of argued back and forth. We kind of disagree. They only have eight scholarship players and only play eight guys. Mm-hmm. So that's where they come in. Where I'm thinking, yeah, he wants his eight best players to get in to uh, to play in the game, like to have. We know why the case is because he'll bring, like, he brought in the law tech transfer that's that came in this week that'll help them out in what two years, a year and a half, essentially. But my thing is, if you're playing the Mountain West, like you had two guys play under 20 minutes or three guys, excuse me. But if you have a guy, even one or two guys that come in for. Like Wyoming did. They had a guy who played – three guys played seven minutes, seven minutes, and three minutes. If you have a guy – like I said before, if you have a guy coming in at the uh, six-minute mark of the first half – well, about to sneeze here, folks. Maybe not. But <laughs> six-minute mark, guy comes in, two minutes, you get the four-minute timeout. The guy gets maybe eight minutes of rest time. That's where you can have a, a deeper bench. Even one or two players that may play – they may only play five minutes of game time, but that could result in like – it's like the thing with Jason Kidd when he played the Suns. He never took a break ever. There's always a thing about on court. I know NBC when they had the NBA, they'd always put on on court time for Jason Kidd because he would play literally 40 plus minutes every night in the NBA, 45 plus minutes. They would keep track of him on the court, including timeouts, all the sorts of stuff like on the court. But if you have a guy who comes in for 90 seconds three times in a game, he gets four or five minutes. That can double or triple the rest time for the other player. So, not not that that's why they lost, but like you said, if they're getting tired, they're at 7,200 feet. They're playing a good Wyoming team who's very good at home. And you're playing like Caleb Martin played 49 minutes. He played all but one minute in the game. So Yeah, uh, yeah, you bring up a really good point. And I think if Nevada loses a couple more games in the same style in which they hold a late lead or, or maybe are unable to finish at the freeze line at the end of games, um, more talk of this will come up in, in, in a bit of a negative sense towards Musselman and how his roster is constructed. But... Not only are you spelling, like your example that you mentioned, are you spelling players for maybe three or four minutes here and there, but you're also allowing these players to avoid getting additional foul. And mm-hmm. that's something that definitely impacted Nevada with Lindsey Drew and Kendall Stevens, um, their top point guard and their top perimeter threat, uh, both fouled out against Wyoming. So yeah. they had to play the rest of the game with just six guys and um, because they opted to go with Elijah Foster instead of, um, Josh Hall. So you're playing with a short roster in in certain situations like this you'll play with foul trouble or maybe you're at elevation and just all different sorts of factors so it definitely makes things more complicated for Nevada as opposed to other teams that maybe have a bit more of a bench. Yeah, all I'm saying like it wouldn't be second half, but like oh minute 16 early in the game or maybe not the first timeout, but like we're getting to the 8 minute, 4 minute timeout in the first half, do that. Or maybe even the start of the second half a little bit. So, but look at Wyoming. Like, not to say everything Nevada did bad was why Wyoming why Wyoming won the game. But he said our player of the week was Justin James, thirty three points this game, thirty three um, versus um, what they play San Jose State on the road. He had ten rebounds. Like they had, they had two guys score almost sixty points. Hayden Dalton stepped up again. They out rebound uh, by Nevada by because like you can look at both ways why teams won. Nevada had fewer turnovers. More steals and blocks. They had nine steals, four blocks. Four steals, two blocks to Wyoming. But Wyoming had a better rebounding chances. They shot better um, from the free throw line. They had more 
offensive rebounds by just one. But you can see why either team could win this game. But like, look at Justin James; he fell out, and they still won. Yeah, and they and they played much of the important stretches uh, towards the end of the game without Justin James, their their top scorer. So that was an impressive win by Wyoming, and that's another reason why I just think we can't count out the Cowboys because they have their go-to scorer, whether it be Justin James or Hayden Dalton, and they have a pretty nice supporting cast. I know Alan Herndon didn't do a ton, but he's usually good for a couple clutch blocks, which he did have against Nevada. Um, Cody Kelly has been pretty solid. Lou Adams has been really nice off the bench, and um, you usually get at least a decent amount of production from Nye Redding and Alex Akagorski. So uh, Wyoming remains a team that maybe isn't going to be consistent on a night-to-night basis, especially when they're outside of Laramie, but it's definitely not a team you can count out in the Mountain West tournament. Two questions I want to ask you here. One is why, or excuse me, I get the team. I'm staring at the Cowboys logo. Number one, is Nevada going to be ranked on Monday? No. No. Okay, that's pretty convincingly. Okay, it's making sense. <laughs> they only played once. They lost over double overtime, but they won't care. They'll see the score typically. 0-3 as a ranked team. How about that? Yeah, there's that. That's, that's, that doesn't help. I put, I put in my poll, or not my poll, but my article I did about the uh, – doing this every, a couple times a week, a little couple paragraphs about something big in the league, and then the RPI, all that stuff, BPI, Sagarin. Because we mentioned um, Chris Murray in the Reno Gazette Journal had like a little mailbag opining way against our our our, our, our excuse me um, end of season ranking a 32 and three Nevada team would be a three seed laughable so I put no they're not a three seed definitely not a three seed now they're mm-hmm. probably still going to be fives out of the window probably six unless weird things happen but whatever they're, they're overall does this really change anything toward at-large bids or anything toward the conference with this loss for Nevada? Like, would this knock them out of at-large chances if, say, they they go now 30-5 and five and lose the conference title game to Boise or maybe even Wyoming again? If – how do I phrase this? It doesn't hurt them. It obviously is a missed opportunity. I don't think Wyoming is going to stay in the top 75 RPI at the end of the season, but as of right now, a victory over Wyoming on Saturday – or excuse me, on Wednesday would have been – a quadrant one win for Nevada, which is something that they they de- they desperately need because all they have in that category right now is a home win against Rhode Island the first week of the season. So it's a missed opportunity, but I think Nevada is going to be okay. Um, their metrics really really good there. 18th in Ken Palm, 26 BPI, 35 Sagarin, and they're 15th in RPI. Um, only bad loss is San Francisco. So if they're able to beat Boise State again on the road, if they're able to pick up a couple wins in the Mountain West tournament. I think it'll be just fine, but I think we definitely need to slow the brakes a little bit down with the top six seed talk because I think Nevada is getting closer to the bubble than they are a top five, top six seed right now just because the other power conferences will continue to add up quality win after quality win, and Nevada just doesn't have as many opportunities. So looking right now over at Warren Nolan, the project, projected RPI, they're at two and three as a group one victory, which would put them at – That'd be what the Rhode Island and a Boise victory. I th- I think it's a Boise. If not, yeah. then it would be it, it, uh, Fresno, maybe. Uh no, end of season because it has it says Boise right now is forty three. I'm guessing I'm not. They don't have this set up the best way because if you go to their team page, you can see who they won and who they lost to, and they highlight it in uh, like group one, two, three, and four. But the end of season has them doesn't really mention. It just mentions what the record would be. 
against those groups. So like two and three, group one, one and three, group two. I'm assuming group two would be obviously Rhode Island, Island and I guess Boise just because they're ranked higher. Must be right Boise. Now, well, yeah, I would think so. Because Wyoming well, right now is 62, and that's a tier group one loss. But here's the most interesting thing about this, like the projected um, results. They have them losing versus Boise at Boise, which is not unrealistic by any stretch of the means. But then they have them losing at UNLV and at San Diego State. I, I mean, I wouldn't completely rule it out. I think losing at UNLV is probably more likely than at San Diego State right now. Definitely. But, but that I mean, that could teeter-totter in the coming weeks. But it's not an easy finish for Nevada to the regular season by any means, having to go at UNLV, at San Diego State, and then head to Vegas again for the Mountain West Tournament. So the last game that they play in Reno is on February 25th. Um, so challenging stretch in the final games of the season for Nevada, but... I, I think that, that if there's any team that's capable of finishing strong, it's this Wolfpack team. And it should be noted, those combined lot projected losses are by four points. So Okay. Obviously, yeah. so we're super-duper close. And yeah, they, they don't get blown out. Yeah, it's, no, they did not. They haven't all year, I guess. Texas Tech, <laughs> that's it, six points. Mm-hmm. And overtime, yeah. Yeah, and overtime. And, yeah. Uh, also, really quick about this game before I move on to other stuff. Can we consider Justin James as a dark horse player of the year? Three games of thirty or more points this year already. Yeah, he's he's been really good. I think he's he's definitely a dark horse, um, an outside pick, but he's been great. I think he and Hayden Dalton are are just so fun to watch when they're both on at the same time. So hopefully we see that heading down the stretch for Wyoming. But when, when Justin James and Hayden Dalton are both firing all cylinders, Wyoming is really really tough to beat. That's why they're going to be a team that's going to cause some havoc out in Vegas, I think, in Thompson Mac in a couple weeks. Also, Definitely. one last thing. I was looking over at Chris Dobertine's uh, latest bracket post. He does a good job over at SB Nation. Uh, good, I'd say decent, good friend of mine. We're Facebook buddies. That counts as something, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> For sure. But, but he wrote a piece on He's starting his bubble pieces. He puts Wyoming as a team on the bubble. Not anybody else in the conference. Not, well, I guess there's nobody else in San Diego State's kind of floundered the past week. That's, I mean, that's assuming Boise State's in this field, right? No, Boise State's not in this field. Hmm. He has them as one of the eight teams out, I believe. I'm gonna, I got, I'm gonna pull it up right now. But he has Nevada in there. Let me. Um, oh, so Boise State's mentioned because I think it would be, it would be odd if you had Wyoming mentioned but not Boise State. Yeah, here's how it works right now. I, I had to look over this again. He has also considered teams. Boise's team number eighty and Wyoming's team eighty-two. Okay. So that's still not really that close either. Think about it. There's only 68 teams. Mm-hmm. That's not very close for either team. Well, I mean, that's similar for me with, with the brackets that I've been posting too because I, a lot of people have had Boise State in the bracket for in recent weeks, and they really haven't been that close for mine. I'm just checking out my spreadsheet right now. I had the Broncos as my ninth team out in my update on Friday. So That's about the same. Yeah, so so it's really yeah yeah. Let's see, that would be what seventy seven for me and eighty for him. So it's that's not that different. It's a shame with Wyoming because of some of their bad losses that they've suffered. Obviously, the Denver loss on the road is uh, is a tough one. New Mexico and Colorado State losses, and also the Northern Colorado yeah, loss. All four could have been wins. Yeah, all, all four could have been wins, and those really damper what could have been a pretty solid resume because they have wins over Nevada, Boise State, San Diego State. Um, the Cincinnati, it's a, it's a loss on the neutral site in Caymans, but uh, it's definitely yeah. a game that helps RPI. It, it sure doesn't hurt it. So, And also the, the road win at Oregon State, that's not a bad one at all. So 
Wyoming doesn't have a resume that will get them into the tournament, but they do have some quality wins that um, will make other teams look out for them in Vegas. Because if you look at it really quick, if they won all those games, which are all plausible, they would be probably ranked 20 in the country, 17-4, and and 7-0 in conference play. Yeah, hey, it's uh, it's a shame for them, but that's just the reality of it. I think that Wyoming's pretty faring, faring pretty well in RPI right now, so that's mm-hmm. that's keeping them in the consideration. But those bad losses are are too significant for the Cowboys to come sniffing close to the tournament. Yeah, there's no no chance for Atlar. Uh, sorry, should should not say no chance, but come on, we know how it works, right? Yeah, <laughs> we know All how right. the story ends. Yeah, because uh, you'll hear Gary Paris later in the year when I, when I listen more uh, over at CBS More. Because I don't regularly listen to their podcast. I do every now and then because I got a lot of other podcasts and it's a lot of time. But during March, they're a must listen because he'll have his range, even though it'll change this year because the group one through group four, mm-hmm. top, 50, top 50 games for teams like Wyoming, Nevada, Boise, even Cincinnati or SMU or Houston or any teams in America, lower-end Big, Big East teams or Missouri Valley. So that rant's coming, so get forward looking for that, folks. Yeah, yeah. if you just take RPI and you take uh, Quadrant 1 wins and, and just use those two as the only metrics that you want to use to rank teams, you'll probably be pretty close to what the committee comes out with because um, the, those two stats are what the committee leans on the most, and it's just not really what the Mountain West has right now, but that's just how it goes. Hopefully it changes because they are introducing. We will mention every time probably, but BPI, Sagarin, Ken Palm, all that stuff's being work is can officially be presented as facts or reasons why teams should be seated here or there or in or out. So mm-hmm. more, but it's it's a thing. It's like the if you hear our football stuff, everybody's heard about Bill Kuyper, Josh Allen, stature for losers. It's just part. It's just like a, an equation, <laughs> part of the puzzle. It's not the whole thing. Like RPI is not the whole thing. Nevada going maybe winning thirty plus games isn't the whole story. But if you include winning win win totals, road wins, uh, quality wins, injuries, last ten, it all combines to hopefully make an accurate depiction of who should be in the tournament and ranked or seated where. So yeah, and I guess one more thing on that. That's that's a good point you bring up because there isn't a single thing that would lead the committee to believe that one team should be in or out of the bracket or be seated in a certain place. And I think in Nevada's case, that does help them because they do have uh, some some positives about what they present right now, like their metrics, as you mentioned, or, or that win against Rhode Island. They do have their detriments, which is uh, not the greatest strength of schedule, and they have that loss to San Francisco. But one thing that is working most in Nevada's favor is that I think the national media uh, are aware of just how good Nevada is, and a lot of people think that this is a tournament team and a team that can do some damage in the tournament. So they definitely pass the eye test, which is not something that's quantifiable, but definitely something that the selection committee takes into consideration. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to New Mexico really quick, because you wrote a piece on the Lobos about what Paul Ware about. I guess Paul Ware's right, saying ninth place is ridiculous or whatever it was. <laughs> hey, we were looking good for that being accurate late, early in the year, but they've been doing better than people thought and losing like their most senior laden players, essentially like we kind of mentioned last week. Cause you did a piece on Paul Ware, but they beat CSU, which, okay, whatever. CSU is not great this year with you, Stacy losing like Gene Clayville and everybody from last year. And now they have, um, is it Nixon out for a while? The, some sort of leg injury. I forget what it was. Right. Nixon and Paige are both out. So the only yeah. two double oh, scores they have are, are out for a pretty uh, struggling offense. And so they, but they've been no other. Yes. They're 11, 11, which is, not great, like losses to TCU, New Mexico State, which are decent losses. Maryland, a good team. 
Colorado and Pac-12, Arizona. So, like, their schedule, like, their losses aren't bad by any stretch. Maybe that Tennessee uh, Tech game, is that who that was? Yep. Whoever they lost early in the year. But, like, losing Nevada, at Nevada, at Boise, at Fresno. Fresno's pretty good. Yeah, they're they're okay. Not amazing, but they're a quality team. But they're winning at home. They beat San Diego State, beat CSU, dumped CSU. And are they a team that they're third in the conference? Like, they are third place, half a game behind Boise State. Is there any chance they'll finish that way? I think I think we'd be silly to say that there isn't a chance, right? Because they've already proven us wrong the last few weeks. But yeah. <laughs> it's just hard to believe that New Mexico is, is this good when um, the job that Paul Weir has done with, a, I mean, a pretty lacking roster. I know we've, we've knocked it a number of times, but he's even done it without Sam Logwood and Troy Simons for much of the stretch where they've gone winning five of their last six games. So... They're right in the mix, um, to everyone's surprise, it's right in the middle of third place right now behind Boise State and Nevada for the for the Mountain West title. And they've done it in large part without two of their most high-usage guys. So, I mean, you think of some of these players that are in, are in the rotation right now, like Antono Jackson, the Akron grad transfer. He's been phenomenal. Joe Firstinger, who's, who's pretty much the scapegoat of this team the past three years, he's produce a number of double doubles dane kuyper anthony mathis have both been solid shooters uh, from the perimeter so there's a lot of benefits you have to take away from new mexico and it just makes you wonder what paul weir is capable of once he gets a roster full of his own players yeah his players and players who played with each other not just during the offseason because we kind of thought it'd be like you and lv not necessarily the talent but just a mixture of who's playing like who's coming in from playing from the year before chemistry is a big deal and here's the thing. You know how we mentioned Wyoming could be 9-0 at home and 0-9 on the road? Right. Are the Lobos going to achieve that feat? Because they've won every home conference game and lost every road conference game. Yeah, it is. it is. I Okay, they have the, the one road win at UNLV. But besides that, that's 100% oh, true. Oh, okay. Oops. So, I missed that. So <laughs> No, no, you're good. But New Mexico and Wyoming are, are in that same sort of conversation, though. You have to wonder what they're going to do on the road. And... Um, and they seem to be pretty dynamite at home. But in their defense, they have played Nevada, Boise State, and Fresno State. And I think Jeff Grammer tweeted out that New Mexico's played the toughest conference uh, schedule so far. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that just that goes to show you just how well the Lobos have played already. If they're able to go 6-3 and three with, the, with the league's toughest schedule through nine games, that's pretty impressive. And they almost the Nevada loss was only by three on the road. Yeah, they got crushed by Boise by twenty eight, but Nevada by three at Lawler's pretty impressive. And then because here's where it does ease up because they 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 San Jose State victories for eighty to forty seven, but they go to Utah State, which will be interesting. That'll be reasonably difficult. That'll be the first time they played them all year, depending on what Kobe McElwain and whatever they're up against. Again, at San Jose, they should win. They're probably not going to be Boise. It does ease up because at San Jose at Air Force. The Utah State the second time, excuse me, this is the first time playing Utah State. Second time is, the mountain of schedule is weird when you play teams. So they play them, like, for some reason within a month of each other. But it's, yeah, it's, it's it get, they technically it gets easier, but it's not that much easier. You know what I mean? Because going to, even going to Air Force, that'll be somewhat of a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's no cakewalk. And we saw that on Saturday with Air Force. They gave Boise State a run for their money for 40 minutes. I think the, my one takeaway is this. It's that if you take a look at New Mexico's schedule and results and you take a look at UNLV's schedule and results, I would think that the two would be reversed in, in a sense because I think that 
my my projection heading into the year was that UNLV would struggle out of the gate and then improve as time goes along as their guys start to gel together and uh, New Mexico would, would be vice versa but it's been reversed and New Mexico won just two of its first 10 games against D1 teams and uh, they've been phenomenal since then and UNLV has kind of tailed off after a really hot knock conference start it's interesting to see the the different trajectories that these two teams have have crossed also, for those keeping track at home, UNLV fans, Rebels are currently seventh in the conference. Just That's saying. right where we picked them, wasn't it? I think sixth in that range. Sixth or seventh, yeah. Here's a, But they're like – okay, to be fair, they're four and four. The Mexico's six and three. So it's not like mm-hmm. the difference is huge. It's still pretty close. Uh, also, what, I'll, let me ask you this real quick because there weren't a ton of great games this week. We'll get to a few other upcoming stuff, but – if we're going into the Vegas tournament, I know it's early because we're still in January. I would t- rather, let's just say the top four stays as is. I would rather be in Boise State's position than Nevada's position. I would full heartedly wanting to want to play the Mexico over Wyoming in any tournament scenario. I think so too. Yeah, especially uh, since it's not going to be New Mexico at home. Wyoming is just so dangerous in a single elimination scenario. I just want to make sure we're on the same page there. So, uh, oh, real quick, too, we mentioned this at the top of the show. Air Force, Fresno State, the government shutdown is over, has ended. It's going to be replay, not replayed, but rescheduled for, oh, crap, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Air, uh, February 26th, which means Wyoming, or Fresno plays Wyoming the 24th, Air Force the 26th, at New Mexico the 3rd. So they got three games in that week. However, here's, here's the thing. Um, you know why scheduling the February 26th is a bad idea? <laughs> What's that? Uh, the uh, government shutdown funding is only good until February 8th at the moment. Hmm. So we could be back in this mess again in about two weeks. So that so that could potentially impact the New Mexico game, which yeah, is on it, February it, 10th. Yeah, we'll get, we won't talk about that later, until later until something does happen. But, yeah, that could impact games. I think at the article, I guess if it – yeah, the games there's like three or four games in between where they'd be played for sure, like Aztecs game, CSU game. We have the New Mexico game, the tenth. So next week we should know a lot more about. I guess in two, yeah, next week because well maybe we'll see, but we'll have articles up there. But that's something can, to keep. Can an you eye, imagine keep an eye if out. if uh, Nevada was in the scenario where they had to finish off their regular season schedule like Air Force? Because I'm, I'm taking a look right now. Air Force plays Saturday at home against uh, Utah State on February 24th. Then two days later. They're hosting Fresno State. That's on Monday. Then on Wednesday, they have to head to Laramie to face Wyoming. And then uh, they return to play Saturday against San Jose State at home. And then just a few days later, they have to head to Vegas for the tournament. So that's four games in a week. And then following that week, they have to go to a neutral site to play their Mountain West tournament to decide where they're headed for. Yeah, I forgot. Aztecs, the 21st. They play four games in eight days. You forgot about the Aztecs. You go. They are at home, so 21, February 21, 20, 21st. You mentioned 24, 26, 28. That's, geez, that's ridiculous. That, that's tough, but I guess the one positive is that four of those five games are at home. But if, if you're talking True. like Nevada or Boise State, one of the title contenders, they have, if they had to finish the mm-hmm. schedule like that, oh, man, there would, there would be some serious headlines. Well, here's the thing. For as Air Force plays at Boise on the 17th, there's potential for that game having an issue. Mm-hmm. It's still too early to say, but that's something just to, if you don't really listen to politics, whatever it be, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, wherever you get your news from, papers, local stuff, 
keep an eye on a little once you get a little bit closer to that February eighth deadline. If you don't hear anything, or just uh, put a Google alert for government shutdown, see what happens. Because who would who would have thought that we would have been talking about politics on the, on a Mountain West basketball podcast at the start of the year to determine whether or not it would impact the schedule? That's not something I was expecting. Zero. The closest thing we'd have seen is uh say the commander in chief is Air Force, and if they're going to the White House or who's not going, one of those type of things. Because yeah, that's all, yeah. that always comes up. And this actually impacts on the court athletic stuff. Uh, um, let's see. Where should we go next year? I guess uh, anything interesting happened the past week. I guess UNLV San Diego State. Sure. Rebels yeah, uh, beat, that was beat Aztecs game. by 10. And because UNLV put up 50 in the second half, congratulations against um, an alleged good Aztec defense. Yeah, man. That San Diego State defense, it hasn't been this bad since 2006. I, mean, I was taking a look at their adjusted defensive efficiencies over the years. And between 2011 and 2017, I'll rattle off their national adjusted defensive ranks. They were 2nd, 44th, 13th, 7th, 5th, 4th, and 28th. This year, they're 84th. So it's it's almost not even the same team that they're watching out there from their traditional Steve Fisher-led defenses. And it's the reason that San Diego State's 8th in the conference right now. Um, when they have their offensive lapses, they don't have their strong defense to keep them in games and that's exactly what we saw happen against UNLV the Rebels just just tore up the Aztecs in the second half like you said 50 points they finished with 88 and uh, San Diego State could not get it done will the Aztecs be playing the opening round of the conference tournament uh I I don't think so I think they find a way to uh to bump up to those top six seeds but I don't know here's why I'm the conversation here's why I'm gonna say no they play Nevada twice. They go all the road to Fresno, and they have Boise mm-hmm. State at home. That is one, two, three, four, five games they could possibly lose. Let's see. Ken Palm is projected that San Diego State will finish with a ten and eight record, and so that would put them, it would put them tied for fourth, but with two other teams. So, um, I guess best case fourth, worst case sixth. And then Utah State and UNLV are both projected to be a nine and nine, so they're right in that conversation. They they should finish right in the middle of the pack. It'll be interesting though. San Diego State playing an opening round game in the Mountain West tournament is not something that many expected heading into the season. So, as one of our questions was, will San Diego State have more than nine conference wins? What do you think? Well, we can count them off right now, I guess. So they're they're sitting at four and five right now. They'll be able to beat Air Force at home, so that would put them to five. At Fresno State, I'm not loving that matchup, but I think that they get the win in that one, so that would move them to sixth. At Nevada, I don't buy it. I think they beat Wyoming, so that would be their seventh. At Air Force and at San Jose State should put them above, so I, that would that should get them to nine wins. And then home against Boise State and home against Nevada, maybe. I mean, do you think that they well, could win one of those the, games? Well, you all forgot the UNLV game at home. Oh, you're right. Uh Maybe. Return game for UNLV. I would put that as maybe. That's like a coin flip right now. I think they'd get to at least nine wins. I, yeah, I'd say nine. Oh, they, when they say hard over under nine, we have to push. But I could – if I'm going to pick either way, I'd pick under more than over. But I'm going to stick at nine probably. Because I'm, I'm not sure if they could win at Fresno. I, I, I'm not loving the road matchups. Obviously, the Air Force and San Jose State games will be able to win, and, and they do play Air Force twice, so that already get them up to six wins. But having to play Nevada twice 
at at Fresno State, home against Boise State, home against UNLV. Wyoming. That's that's a tough uh, that's a tough finishing slate for them. So they'll probably be right around that eight to ten win range. All right, so let's um, let's see what we go, what, what's going on next week. We have a little fun conversation at the end. We're gonna wrap this up shortly, but we got a week worth of games coming up. We're not gonna spend every obviously doing as much preview tournament stuff real quick or quickly during out maybe here or there. I am gonna start doing a piece in conjunction with the Mountain West, not the Mountain West, but the NCAA tournament bid stuff I've been doing with the Ken, Ken Palm BPI and all that stuff. So look for that because kind of an early bracket where it could play out. And one site too, if you want to look into that and don't want to rely on us all the time because we may not dive this deep every week, teamrankings.com, it's free. I know Ken Palm charges for some of their stuff, but teamrankings.com, they have a lot of project, projected stuff. And they actually have predict predictions or projections of what seed you'll be in the tournament, how far you can go into the tournament. So we'll probably use those numbers and link back there. But if you want to prove it on there, it's always fun to see, like, hey, where's my team going to be? They have an eight – like, I think currently Nevada is a .3 chance to win the NCAA tournament. Stuff like that. It goes pretty deep. So it's not just, oh, their Air Force is out of it no matter what. But they'll give exact percentages for, I think, up until, like, 0.1% of any area. So if you want to waste some time at work, I'd recommend that. <laughs> that's always fun to mess around with it does so uh really quick the schedule we got upcoming this week i thought we we're going to discuss the air force fresno game but i got the women's game mixed up because they had a, a safe mart arena i guess if you're a veteran you can or maybe even current active military you can get it for free so if you're in the area go check out some hoops it's always that's cool so it's always a good thing so we got game no game no tuesday games this week so we got so it gives you an extra day to listen to this since it's sunday night so we got games on wednesday i guess the biggest game we got i think fresno at nevada will be a pretty big deal CBS, it's a 8 p.m. Pacific. Fresno with Deshaun Taylor, they they're 15 and seven, five and four in the conference. All right, Eli, ready to play our game? Who's favored according to BPI? If Nevada's not favored, I I quit this game. Uh oh, hold on, load, loading. Oh, I thought loading. you were going. Uh oh, you're wrong. No, 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 no. I'm waiting for the page to load. <laughs> so, oh man. <laughs> Maybe. Oh come on. I guess while you're waiting, do you do you think you give Fresno State any chance to win this game in Reno? Since I don't know the number yet, I'd give him a 33% chance to win. Yeah. I, I don't know. You don't know? Not even that Nevada close. Sean, pretty Sean Taylor's pretty good. Fresno. Yeah, I mean, Nevada did close out Fresno pretty well in Fresno, so that doesn't give me a ton of confidence that they'll be able to return the favor in Reno. All right, I got the numbers here. Are you ready to uh, project? Okay, I am. Go ahead. We know the favorite, okay. obviously, Nevada. Okay, so the first step is done. I, I'm... <laughs> I'm going big or I'm going home. I'm saying Nevada's an 87% favorite to win this one. 100% correct. I will it's 87? Give you, I'll give you the rounding error of 86.7%. So, yes. Oh, let's Finally. Go. Took you long enough. <laughs> let's go. Finally. Yeah, it only took uh, took until almost February throughout this podcast. <laughs> to be fair, there are some wacky lines out there from BPI. Oh, yeah? Remember that? Was it one we like a huge favorite, like a one game, some for some reason at Nevada or something like that? I forget. Oh, but... there have been some ridiculous ones that just don't seem to make much sense. I say that's a bit high, eighty six percent. Like I'd say about thirty percent chance I give them to win. But that's probably if you're gonna watch any basketball game that's not your team, get CBS Sports Now or get what Hulu, Fubo TV, whatever you can to stream it. Find a way to watch the game because it should be a good one. Yeah, that should be good. And I'm also curious what Wyoming does on the road against Colorado State on Wednesday night because if they can't if they can't beat Colorado State without its only two double digit scores, I 
oh man, I don't know what to think of that team because they're just they're so good at home and they just can't seem to win on the road. So that might I mean we talk so much about how Wyoming is a dark horse for the Mountain West tournament. If they're unable to win outside their building, uh, that's not doesn't translate very well to the Thomas and Mac. You're correct. Okay, with all what we know, let's do a predict prediction again, the matchup predictor. For Wyoming, Colorado State? Yeah. First off, who do you think is favorite? Oh, there's going to be a train wreck. Um, uh, I think Colorado State's favored. Incorrect. All right. I think Wyoming's favorite, and I think that they're favored. <laughs> well, you got to get that one, right? <laughs> CSU's not favored. Uh, yeah, second chance is always good. I think Wyoming is a 60. Uh, no, I think that they're a 56% favorite. No, I should have given it to you the first time. 50.5%. So basically a coin flip. Oh, man. Okay, that's yeah. a bit closer than uh, what it's not. Yeah, then we got uh, – I guess, I, I guess I'm interested in New Mexico at Utah State because playing out the spectrum can be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on all these games, look for our previews and stuff. Then we go all the way to Saturday. We have Fresno at Wyoming, which that's going to be an interesting one. Is that on – I think that's on AT&T, right? So that's a noon local tip-off. Sorry, sorry, which one? Fresno at Wyoming. Uh, I'm taking a look right now. One sec. I believe if it's the afternoon game and it's not listed as ESPN. That's on, that's on AT&T at 11 uh, Pacific. Okay. So get some late breakfast, early lunch, hang out with that one. Uh, somehow Nevada at CSU is on ESPNU. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. UNLV Boise State on CBS Sports. That's what I want to see. UNLV Boise because those are still sort of a rival. And I want to see Brandon McCoy because last time they played in UNLV, it wasn't one of those other overtime games we talked about. For for UNLV Boise State, wasn't last time overtime or very close in regulation? Uh, no, Boise State handled them fairly well. Well, maybe that's the first uh, half. Excuse, it was eighty three seventy four. That was pretty close. I guess well, I want to ask you this one: Do you give Boise State a better chance to beat UNLV in the return game, or do you give Fresno State a better chance to beat Nevada in the return game? Ooh. I think it's pretty close, honestly. That's a good question. The Dome of Doom, that's tough to place to win. Oh, 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 hold on. Nope, nope, nope. I got a surprise for you as I give it away. Okay, okay I'm just going to give you the numbers because it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> BPI is um, the crazy person you think it is. Do you ever watch, really quick, do you ever watch um, The Good Place? No. Mm-mm. Dang it. Well, I'll, other people do. <laughs> this will make sense. First off, you should go back and watch it. It's a great show. There okay. is an episode where it's kind of hard to explain because you won't get it, so I'll just kind of talk to the audience here. Hopefully they do. If everybody see it, the character Derek comes into play, and all he does, Eli, says, Derek, 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 because it's kind of, it's kind of like a robot, essentially, or alien. It, trust me, mm-hmm. it makes sense if you watch the show. <laughs> because there's a person <laughs> there who's like a, basically like a Siri who you could ask them to get you whatever you want. This is like some something that person creates. Ends up being Derek. Okay, so it's right, like I see where you're going with this. Not yeah. all the way there. They're kind of goofy, but all they say is Derek or weird sayings. So it's just like it's just something like off the wall. He's not in the show a lot, but he's in just enough to. If you've seen the show, you know what I'm getting. At. He's just kind of a wacko guy. Just yeah. So, so the BPI is whack, is what you're saying? Exactly, as we already know. Boise State. Okay. It boy the Boise State Rebel line on BPI makes it 79 percent for the Boise State Broncos. Okay. I want you to yeah, guess. Yeah, seems right about right. I want you to get. Oh crap! I got the wrong game up here. Where'd it go? Shoot! I want you. Uh, may, hopefully, this is all for not exactly. Oh no! Here it is. So Fresno at Wyoming, at the Dome of Doom, seventy-two twenty feet. 
auditory wait yeah was it uh, arena auditorium Ar- yeah, yeah yeah it's stupidest <laughs> name ever Aud- whatever it is the dome of doom give me the bpi for that game the the percentage <laughs> yes probability oh man well the fact that you're saying it's crazy i okay i'm going like i'm going wyoming 92 percent oh eli not even close what 50.3 percent for fresno state i i could almost <laughs> what how <laughs> Fresno State's not even that good on the road. (laughs) (laughs) They needed overtime to beat Colorado State. (laughs) And Utah State. Well, I guess Utah State's okay, but. Boy, am I glad that the selection committee is using this metric that (laughs) seems to make absolutely zero sense. What are you talking about, man? Fresno Station Taylor's pretty good. You know, you know what's a funny story about this? Uh, I'm I'm not going to use specific names. You could probably find this out pretty quick, but. One of the one of the people at ESPN that helped create the metric that's known as BPI. Is it the person uh, who's going to write your forward on... in your book? <laughs> no, not not the same person. Okay. You haven't um, mentioned who that is, so that's why I could just say it that way. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so so one of the creators of the BPI, uh, he used to follow me on Twitter, and I there was some talk in the off season about BPI and certain metrics that some pretty smart individuals were talking about and I think I mentioned something about it the, in, in negative context of the BPI and then uh, I think a few weeks later I was I don't know why I was just going through some of my followers and I noticed that he was no longer following me <laughs> so I was like alright well I guess that's how that goes but um, question for you is this, person uh, I don't know. Still, yeah. is this person still employed at ESPN yes oh so it's not to I was going to say it's somebody else Oh, you're not. Well, they did like a lot of people. <laughs> a castaway. So, yeah, yeah. No, many, I, as far it, as I know. Related question. Does this person happen to be in Lithuania at the moment? <laughs> it is not Jeff Goodman, no. <laughs> Unless you know someone else that's in Lithuania that's Sorry, employed Brooklyn, by ESPN right now. <laughs> it's not? Did I lose you? Are you still with me? I'm still with you. I got you. Did you say yes or no to that? I didn't hear that. I, I that... said no. I, I said I said no okay. unless you know someone else in uh, in Lithuania that's employed by ESPN, which would be which would be uh, new knowledge to me. Okay. Okay. No, that's that's good. So that's, good to know. We'll so that's an interesting out. tidbit. I, I, you, you don't have to look too fine. deep into it um, to find out who that is. But that's just uh, that's just that. That's what we're doing. Okay. Um, I think our internet's dying here, so we were going to go to a deeper topic we could save till another time because it's uh, not going to go away anytime soon. But uh, I'm just going to end here because I think Eli's connection is dead here. But if you hop in Eli and say, I'm still here, that's okay. But first off, BPI is weird, as we all know. But check us out, MWR.com. That's website, Facebook, Twitter, MWCWire, Mount Westwire. Hey, we're on Instagram, Mountain Westwire. So give us a follow there. We may make uh, some football um, posts. We'll make some basketball posts, some random Mountain West posts. But... Thanks again for tuning in. Check us out, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, iTunes, uh, basically anywhere you get your podcast. We're good to go, folks. So until next time, we'll see you next week.